Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Guys on Gaffer. This is our second episode of the pre-season for 2023-2024. We are only two and a half, three weeks, we're three weeks away from the start of the season. Um, David cannot join us unfortunately until the start of the season because he is in Canada as those of you may have heard last week. Um, but um, we'll manage perfectly fine without him I'm sure. Um, Abhishek, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah, doing all right. In terms of, I think, watch some cricket. India is playing, although it's against the West Indies, but it's still something to watch. And I think Wimbledon is on also. Mm-hmm. I think so. It was uh, nice to see some games apart from the Formula One. So, yeah, doing fine. Uh, just hoping to get reunited, sign some players because we're a green deals. We're not doing the final ones, <laughs> the final touches. We need to do that so that I can fully focus on FPL and try to build the team. Mm. Yeah, and make that goalkeeper sign of United quickly so that we can make the team. But yeah, in, in other sense, doing all right. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I think it's quite good for both of us being wider sports fans other than just football because when the football season is not on, there's other things to keep us interested. So, yeah, I've been massively yeah. following Wimbledon. Also, the Ashes has been on, so that's been quite exciting. Uh, the Open Golf is next week, which I'm actually going to, day three, which will be really, really cool. So, yeah, I'm also kind of able to get my sporting fix um, and having a good time. Um, slowly starting to get into fantasy planning and stuff. Now, just yesterday, I found myself tinkering with FPL for the first time since my very first draft at launch. Um, yeah, yeah, I need to try not to go too hard, though, because I don't want to burn out by game week one. Um, and similarly, kind of with Gaffer coming around fairly quickly, you I've know, been thinking a bit more about that. Too. Yeah, in all honesty, uh, our community serves of quite the drafts, quite the amount of drafts. So yes. I don't want to <laughs> check into my account. I said, okay. Yeah, that draft can work. That draft can work. Can I just scroll plans. past drafts, so I'm just like, I don't want to look yeah. at them. I don't because yeah. also I really want to not be influenced by Twitter this season. So I'm like trying not to look at people's teams as well. Yeah, but yeah. And most of the players that you know will be in everyone's squad. So <laughs> it's just the differentials that you are looking for. What differentials that he got? What differentials that he got? Yeah, that's the only thing that's. Always the way with FPL, isn't it? Very template game. Anyway, let's get cracking then. So the plan for today is to basically preview the first 12 teams. Um, There's no particular order to this. Um, We've reached out to a fair few people in the last couple of weeks asking for their input. And I'll continue to do so as well this week for part two of this kind of preview of all the teams. So um, thank you very much to everyone who has responded. Basically, what we've asked for for people to do is send in more of a kind of general background in terms of how optimistic they are about their team and how they kind of envisage their tactical style to be. Because um, we know it's easy to cover off the transfers in and transfers out. And sometimes the gaffer assets can be easy to discuss. Um, But what we don't get is a lot of us don't, watch these teams week in week out and we don't understand the tactical setup and the style of play and things like that and and fans can really help us understand that and then that can be applied to our to our gaffer teams in turn so um yeah appreciate everyone that has that has reached out so far or responded to our messages and um seven teams today we will be covering um 
you know, ones where we've had fan inputs and then the other five we have no fan input um, and don't anticipate kind of finding someone with who can give us that input. Um, and so we will just cover them ourselves. Um, and we're going to try and be as quick as possible. We know we love to go on a long time on guys on Gaffer, but we've got 12 teams to get through. That's a lot of teams. Yeah. And if we can do it in five minutes per team, then that gets us an hour. We've also got a few questions though at the end. So if we can get under, under five minutes per team, that would be even better. Let's do it, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Abhishek has kindly made some some really good slides in David's as- absence, and the first team we're going to discuss is Watford. Um. So, their fixtures are QPR, Plymouth, Stoke, Blackburn, and Coventry. So actually, really good fixtures. Even though we didn't talk about them last last week, they probably have some of the best fixtures. And I'm going to read out what um, Amra Batman has sent, um, also known as Joe. Um, so we just asked for kind of a few sentences from each, um, and this is what he's had to say about Watford. Okay. A new season and another new manager for us in Valerian Ishmael, and morale and expectations haven't been this low in years, mostly down to the board. We've lost our best player in Jao Pedro, and I'm almost certain Ishmael Assar will join him. That doesn't leave us with much. Also, lost Kamara, Chowdhury, and Kin Davis from loans. The squad needs a big rebuild, and we haven't brought in that much so far. Tomlins from Reading could be a good squad player. Reese Healy from Toulouse is a striker who scored goals in Ligue 2, Ligue 2 the, the second league in, Fran- in France, but was injured for most of last season. In terms of Ishmael's style of play, it will be high intensity and looking to get for- the ball forward quickly. We need to see more in pre-season to suggest going with any of our players. If I was picking one now, it would be Imran Luza. We'll be on most set pieces and in 16 starts last season, scored five and assisted four. Ryan Porteous would be the most secure defensive option. So thanks, Joe. That's really, really helpful, um, particularly in terms of who's the most secure defensive option because I wasn't sure who was going to be nailed. Um, yeah, what's your initial reaction to Watford? And do you think you'll there's a chance anyone will, will end up in your team in game with one episode? Yeah, I think from what Amrabat is saying, Lowe's, uh, Imran Loza did not came to my mind at all when we were discussing last, last time around. And, mainly focusing on Tomins and uh, we're talking about how he lives work into Ishmael's system because he prefers a number nine and he is a number nine but yeah it's, it's interesting to see that Imran Lauza coming up uh, uh, and Ryan Porteous as a defender because in terms of what for defense I really don't like anyone but uh, as Amrabat is saying, that he is seemingly the most secure defensive option. Probably, I think he, he is coming from the standpoint that he will get, if Walker keep a clean sheet, he will get those clean sheets and bonus points. So, probably that's the thinking behind uh, him singling, uh, singling out OTS. But, you know, for me, as we have seen Ishmael's side play, one at Bristol and at West Brom, it will be high intensity, as he said. So, I am looking forward to owning. If I at all do own any Watford players, then probably the attacking players. Loza seems to be a decent, decent option. Uh, I think another one for the watch list, I guess. If I fell short for the money in terms of uh, investing heavily in other areas then Loza can be decent pick the returns are there so yeah it can be another decent option but mm. yeah 
to me, I think it's these three that we talked about. Wilkins, Ely, and if, uh, if Sar stays, then Sar can be another option, but we don't know will he stay or not. So that's an issue. And seemingly, and Watford hasn't been that much active in the transfer window as well. So, yeah, I think these three are the options, as I've said. Yeah. Those are propped up into my list. Yeah, it's interesting that Ince was described as only a squad player and, you know, maybe he is... I was wondering if he'd slot straight into the starting 11, but but it sounds like he seems to think maybe not. Um, otherwise, I was kind of interested in him at seven um, in terms of being part of a slightly better team. He's kind of running the show all on his own at Reading, wasn't he? So, But, but it sounds like yeah. maybe he would be a non-option to start with. Um, also, Healy coming in at eight million again. It's one you have to wait and see on, I think. So I don't think you want you want to go there. Porteous, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting one, and the fixtures are there, and it would make him, in my opinion, a fine pick because of those fixtures. But there's just so many really good, attractive, attacking defenders that we could go with instead, like Drame and and Pereira potentially, and Rankin Costello and players like that who are just so attacking. Um, that we'd rather fit in for six million or five and a half million. I know Pereira is a bit more expensive than that, but you know, in terms of that premium defender bracket, so I think I'm not going to be going with anyone to start with, even with those really good fixtures. Even even in Ramal, so I'm I'm not convinced that I, I would want to have him, even though the the run is there. Shall we move on to West Brom? Yeah. Cool. So their fixtures: Blackburn away, Swansea at home, Leeds away, Middlesbrough at home, and Huddersfield at home. Um, so yeah, a mixed bag um, in there. Some some quite tough ones actually. Blackburn, Leeds, and, and Middlesbrough, and um, Darren, um, so who is also known as Man on Pod Dronach on Twitter, has kindly hold on, hold on. He's Blackburn. We're talking about Brom. I'm talking rubbish. That was a bit of a glitch in the system, wasn't it? <laughs> um, Darren is is Manon Podronic is a Blackburn fan, not a West Brom fan. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, yeah, yeah. It's our our good friend at Tom PFF who is who is sent in the West Brom stuff. Um, who will be running the community team again this this year? Um, and here's what he had to say on on West Brom. Um, he said this season will be Carlos Corbrand's first full season in charge. I'd imagine he'd line up in the 4-2-3-1 system, although a 4-3-3 has already been trialled in pre-season due to the return of Mowat with Swift playing the 8. We like to try and build from the back and keep possession, especially at home. Away from home, we sit back and absorb pressure. We are compact and rely on the counter more in away games. My biggest concern at the moment is the financial situation we're in. We've got an owner who's ruining the club and despite selling O'Shea for 7 million, this won't be invested. We will, be, we will heavily rely on loans and free transfers to build our depth. In terms of fantasy returns, we don't have an out-and-out goal scorer, especially with DK out injured, so expect the contributions to be spread around. Same with set-piece and free-kick duties. It'll likely be swift on penalties. With Palmer in goal, we looked solid defensively last season. Hopefully, the returning keep break can cover O'Shea's absence. We didn't look like shipping too many goals last season, especially at home. Away, though, we were a bit of a lottery. Thanks, Tom. Again, that's really, really useful stuff in there. Um, Abhishek, what's your reaction? While you do that, I'm going to turn the light on. I'm a bit yeah, I think he basically said everything that he's said about West Brom, I guess, uh, because until and unless the strikers of the forwards get fit enough, uh, fit, uh, they don't really have a striker. 
all they have are wing players that they are ma- gradually making them play as strikers. Uh, I heard today uh, that they are loaning out Carl and Brandt to Cardiff City. So okay. that they're again reducing their number nine depth, which is already looking very bleak. So I don't know who will score the goals. It will predominantly depend upon once again Swift and Wallace. And I don't know. I would surely bank on those who produce the good stay in day out with how they play. And just to finish it off, I think Tom didn't mention him, but Connor Townsend will be the only option if I go with the West Brom. Now, West Brom option, he will be the only option until maybe they sign a striker or DK gets fit. Mm. But from that, I think Tom basically covered all the points. Yeah. It was interesting with West Brom because at the start of last season, you know, I think I predicted them top and what did you or was David, one of you or David also did the same. They'd really strengthened and, you know, they brought in the likes of Swift and Wallace and we thought they'd have a really good crack at it and it just didn't really happen for them last season. Um, I think I'm going to be starting with none, particularly with the tough fixture run. I agree with you on Townsend. There may well come a time where he's an option. Um, he he always does well for bonus. I think last season he, he was kind of overlooked quite a bit, um, including by me, um, and ended up, I think, he was the highest West Brom, highest scoring player for West Brom. I, got, I think he got like 240-odd points or something. He did pretty well. Yeah, Swift and Wallace, both at 10. They're both at the same price this year rather than, you know, Wallace being more expensive. I think that's probably right. Um and I think there will be a time this season where at least one of them, particularly Swift, I think, will become an option. But um, I think there's too many attractive players for similar prices um, from the relegated teams that that could be that are probably better, to be honest, more exciting. And particularly as as you say, the the lack of striker means that they're overly reliant on on them for set pieces. And even though Swift and Wallace have you know, have really good delivery. Swift, Swift will be on a lot of set pieces. Um, you know, if, if as a team they're not scoring enough goals, then then we don't really want to be owning them at ten million, do we? Dean Garner at seven, seven's a, a very cheap price. You never know; he might become um, an option at some point if he's nailed. Um, Molumbi at six is pretty cheap, and he popped up with a few. But I, I think there's no way we'd be starting with any of those, would we? Yeah, yeah. I think as Tom mentioned, they don't have a number nine out and out number nine because DK is injured, so they don't have anyone. And all those players are midfield players. They, t- they are turning those midfield players into attacking forwards. Mm. It's not suitable to expect them to get 20-plus goals every now and then. Yeah. They can't. So, yeah, I think unless they sign a number nine or DK gets fit to start day week in, week out, I'm staying away. Yeah, maybe Thomas Asante will chip in, but I don't know. I don't know why he's not really mentioned him in his in his in his thing. But yeah, certainly not so much cause for optimism in either of the first two teams that we've we've spoken about, and they're big clubs as well who've obviously had lots of spells in the in the Premier League. Next team. Um, our next team is Coventry. Um, so Coventry's fixtures are Leicester away, Middlesbrough at home, Swansea away, Sunderland at home and Watford at home. So a tough start. As you can see, Ellis Sims is highlighted as a key 
transfer in to replace Victor. Um, and our kind of correspondent, the, the fan who has helped us along with Coventry, let me find him, is FPL Shake and Bake, Brett. Um, so he sent quite a long, quite a long thing, quite a few paragraphs. But I'm going to read it all out because I'm sure it's very useful stuff. Yeah, I think, and it's understandable because that there is a big news. It's all change at Coventry, isn't it? It's all change at Coventry, right? Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. Yeah. How does life without Gyokoresh look? That's the big question on the lips of all Coventry fans right now. With the big Swede set to complete a twenty and a half million move to Sporting Lisbon, which I believe has been completed now yeah. at the time of recording since he sent this in, there's a big hole yeah. left in our attack. Jokeres's goal involvement record is known to all, but his ability to drag the team 20 or 30 yards up the pitch on his own was just as vital. Great point. There were times last season where the Sky Blues simply looked to give him the ball and stand back and let him create havoc. Without him around, I'm expecting a change in playing style. It's not only Gyokoresh that the Sky Blues will do without this season, as there appears to be a defensive overhaul on the cards too. Despite Ben Wilson winning the Golden Glove last season, we currently only have Jake Bidwell, Kyle McFadden and Jack Burroughs as players who played in our defence last season. With Loney's Brooke Norton Cuffey, Josh Wilson Esbrand, Callum Doyle, Jonathan Panzo and Luke McNally all returning to their parent clubs. Whilst good servants... Fankate Dabo, I'm not sure if I said his first name correctly, but Dabo and Michael Rhodes um, leave the club as their contracts expire. While there has been the odd rumour of Norton Cuffey and McNally potentially returning, there is still going to be a large turnover at the back, which scares me as a fan. There are also rumours of Fulham, Luton, Leeds and Leicester sniffing around with field linchpin Gustavo Hamer. <laughs> Add to this the recent record of losing playoff finalists and it would be easy to feel downcast on the Sky Blues' chances in the upcoming season. But it's not all doom and gloom. Hamer is still with us, and as long as he is, then we should continue to do well. For me, he's the best player in the league. Wow. Especially after seemingly sorting out his disciplinary issues following two early season red cards. More importantly, we have a pitch. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> oh that was funny. <laughs> Funny at the start of last season. The issues that meant we suffered from a stop-start season thanks to Wasps reneging... I don't know, I can't say that word, um, on their pitch maintenance promises last summer are no longer there. The club, fresh from arranging a new licence to play at the CBS, have paid for a top quality pitch to be installed, meaning there should be no doubt around the Middlesbrough fixture on August the 12th. And with Mark Robbins favouring a slick passing style, a top quality pitch will only help help that. There have also been exciting signings coming into the club. Jay De Silva is this year's signing with a link to assistant manager Adi Viviash and his Chelsea yes. days. He should offer a different alternative to Jake Bidwell at left-back as the two tussle to be first choice. The headline signing is Ellis Sims, signing from, from Everton for an initial £3.5 which could rise to £8 million and would become the club's record signing in that case. Sims has impressed in his loan spells with Blackpool, Hearts and Sunderland and is the man entrusted to replace Gyokoresh's goals. Despite having a similar physical stature to Gyokoresh, the two have very different games. Gyokoresh being a human battering ram, while Sims is more of a poacher who likes to run off the last man's shoulder, meaning I expect yep. Coventry to return to a more intricate style of play. A fully fit Casey Palmer and the return of Callum O'Hare, expected back October-November time, will only help this. As I expect, when everyone is fit, we will return to the box midfield. Ben Sheaf and Gus Hamer at the base, with O'Hare and Palmer supporting Sims. The third signing of pre-season so far seems to have 
seems to have captured the excitement of Coventry fans the most. Tatsuro Sakamoto joins from Belgian club KV Ustend. Whilst relatively unknown, the Japanese international appears to have been a fan favourite at all of his previous clubs and shows great technique and control in his highlight videos. With the ability to play in a multitude of positions, it will be interesting to see where Robbins fits him into his side. Local press seem to think he's being brought in to play right wing back. However, the previous clubs have played him across the attacking line and he has the the potential to be an exciting asset this season. There is still a lot of business to be done at Coventry and that will determine how expectations rise or fall for the season ahead. But whilst Mark Robbins is at the helm, I will never bet against him. Okay, very comprehensive, but there is a lot going on in Coventry. What are your thoughts on on Coventry assets this season? I think he basically mentioned all those assets that we're going to talk about. Uh, And rightly so, he has pointed out all their weaknesses and their positive things. So not really nothing uh, things many things to be talking about probably but that sakamoto signing is really interesting one because whatever highlight videos that i have watched he seems like a really exciting option uh, I, like all japanese players that we see in the world cups and uh, most recently in celtic they're really attacking they're really Good at running the ball, running at you, running at defenses. They're good on the balls, so it will be interesting to see how he fits to Mark Robbins' system and whether he changes the system to accommodate him. Uh, I hope not. He plays in the wing back position because that's not his position. That's not his game. Uh, because whatever highlights I've seen for and his previous clubs. And as Brett rightly mentioned, he is an attacking asset, so it will be this slightly less. Uh, it he will be utilized much more less if he's playing in wing back position. But you never know. Max Robin seems to be a decent manager in the championship, so he will get a every last inch out of that body. So it will be interesting to see how he plays. Apart from that. I think they are going to miss Giacres so badly. Hopefully, Sims does the job, but probably I think they need another attacker. I think apart from Sims and Sakamoto to at least from, 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 from at least supply those balls to Sims because as we all know, Sims is a goal uh, is a box player. He will stay in the box. He will not come down like Giacres did and take the ball and make your team play and like sort of things like that. He's not that type of striker. So I really hope Coventry will sign some attacking players and to hope that Hamer stays because if Hamer goes, mm. then that's another big hole they're going to have to replace apart from Gabriel's. Yeah. So yeah, all is not uh, dull at Coventry because they have a pitch now. So that's <laughs> that's going to be a big one because that's probably what affected them last season at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I th- first thing to say, I think, is that I I completely agreed with his um, sum up of Victor and, and Sims, both in terms of how I see Victor as a player and how how I see Ellis Sims as a player from, from his time at Everton. I think we should have got a bit more from him, more for him, really. I think it's probably worth a bit more than we got for him, but it's just in keeping with Everton's poor recruitment strategy and poor recruitment results of, of yeah. previous years. Um, 
yeah, Victor was obviously so key to how they played. He never got injured, and Sims is a different player. Um, he's not going to be able to run 30 yards up the pitch holding holding off defenders no. like Victor did. Um, and so he was quite quite right in everything he said there. Sakamoto, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about, but he is a 7 million midfielder, so if he is wing-back, he will be reversed out of position and therefore not really of any interest. I guess it depends on whether they get anyone else in at right wing-back with, with obviously you know, Norton Cuffey or, or whatever. Um, the only other thing I'll say is their defence has had a justified price hike this year. So obviously we had them in our teams a lot last year because they were so cheap. But Wilson is now a 5.5 million goalkeeper. Bidwell's up to 6 million. De Silva is 5.5 million. McVadgen's 5.5 million. Burroughs is 4.5 million. But presumably they don't want him to be first choice kind of come the start of the season because of recruitment. So I think that probably means, particularly with the tough fixtures at the start, they're going to be a no-go. Their defence is likely to be a no-go most of the season, although I was interested no. in De Silva at five and a half. But I guess if he's going to be rotated with Bidwell, then then maybe not. Um, so for me, Gustavo Hamer at 8.5, again, that's quite quite pricey for, for what he is. Um, maybe a bit too expensive for me. Maybe Callum O'Hare will present himself as an option. And also, Allen yeah. has gone up to six and a half million when he was a very good five million option last season. So again, I don't see him being in, in any teams. Casey Palmer six and a half too. Uh, maybe he could be okay at some point, but um, I think unlikely to be a, a feature in our gaffer seasons. Although, you know, I, I did rate Casey Palmer last season, and I thought he did very well. Um, and you know, I could be tempted if he if he hits a run of form, but, but we'll see. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, I think what we can say is that we every in all the forty six games we will own commentary assets in, at some point, just for one game or two games when their fixtures turn, mm-hmm. not for longevity like last season when we have Wilson as our goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. Uh, we don't have to look any further for our goalkeepers, but that's will that will certainly be not the case this season. Yeah, for sure they were so solid, weren't they, last season? Um, but they're going to have to do similar levels to even be justified. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll go the way of Huddersfield in terms of like losing playoff finalists and be you know in a relegation battle at yeah. all. Um, yeah. I think they'll be top half, but whether they'll push for the playoffs, maybe not this year. It'll be interesting to see who they get in though, because if they recruit well, then then my opinion could change very very quickly on that. Because Mark Robbins is a fantastic coach. Yeah. Next team. Yeah. Don't need to change size, do I? Birmingham. So they've got Swansea away, Leeds at home, Bristol City away, Plymouth at home, and Millwall at home. So mixed bag, not too bad. Just Leeds is a really tough game in there. Um, and Tyler Roberts is the pictured important summer signing, where they've made a couple of others as well. Now then, who have we got here? Um, we have got. Uh, sorry one second while I find it here we go FF Birmingham City on Twitter who is um, yeah our Birmingham City fan for this for this segment Um, very keen on Birmingham for for Gaffer this season from what I've been seeing on Twitter let's hear what he has to say so the 2023-2024 season is shaping up to be an exciting campaign for Birmingham City Under the guidance of John Eustace, the club has made some key signings during the transfer window. Altogether, the club has been bolstering the squad with both young talents and seasoned professionals, two of the most exciting being Laird and Tyler Roberts. The fans are eagerly anticipating the start of the season, with the soon-to-be-confirmed takeover, but I believe has been confirmed now, by the way. Yes, it has. Um, 
and new look with the team, optimism is surrounding the club. With the opening up of the stands and the growing positivity surrounding the club this season, yeah, it's it's all looking quite good. Um, the style the club played towards the end of last season was one of five at the back, um, with the key signing of Laird for a right wing back and having Longello, Longello, not sure who that is. I would expect this to continue for the season ahead. We ended with a five-two-three-one formation. And with the wingers of Koji Miyoshi and Tyler Roberts, I would expect to be aiming to continue this into the new season. It's an exciting time to be a Birmingham City fan, so possibly a good time to get a player as an asset. So he sent that. So that came through on Monday, so a little while ago. So a couple of things to add. So Suriki Dembele has been um, signed. That's a decent signing, I think. Um, and also Dion yeah. Sanderson. But uh, yeah, the, he probably won't be as much of an, an option. So yeah, the most positivity I've heard from from Birmingham in quite a few years. Um, it's been all doom and gloom for quite a while, yes. but some good recruitment. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the most uh, after Sunderland, I think Birmingham is the team to do well this season so far, uh, both in terms of recruiting players, uh, uh, recruiting the type of players that they need uh, direct. Uh, they address their issues quickly, whatever they were lacking last season, and whatever style they were trying to play they have recruited accordingly they have lots of good players now who can play across any position in the attack i mean siriki dembele Miyoshi, tyler roberts are really good decent signing i think mm. the only thing that they're missing is a genuine number nine yeah yeah but probably but probably they with the system they are going to be playing Probably they don't need a number nine, but uh, who knows? Uh, you never know with new ownership. There is optimism, and there is new rumors or linking decent number nines to the club. So, yeah, I think in terms of whatever they have, I think Laird is an interesting sign. It's a good signing. Roberts is, as well. I think they played preseason friendly today. I think Roberts scored a goal. So, yeah, in terms of gap, in terms of from a graphic point of view, I think I wouldn't mind owning Birmingham players, although the fixtures, in terms of the weightage of the teams, it doesn't look promising. But with the signings and with the strengthening that they have done this season, I wonder uh, if I can bet against Birmingham City this season, especially if they got if they all if all the new signings click together they work well together gel together then certainly Birmingham city will be an interesting and exciting team along with sunderland i think this season yeah yeah i just think recruitment's so key isn't it in the championship and they've done a really good job they brought in the likes of bialik as well from derby yeah. um they've lost Tahith chong though to luton so that's that's a bit of a blow um yeah, I do think they'll have a better season. I think they'll probably finish top half. Um, there's been quite a defensive overhaul with the players like kind of Colin, Colin, um, George Friends. I think there's at least one of the that's gone as well, um, whose name's escaping me. Um, so they've also had a bit of a defensive overhaul. But Ethan Laird is a great signing. At five and a half, I don't think I'm going to go there, but I understand people being interested. Um I think also John Ruddy, if, if Diang wasn't sat there as a four and a half keeper, I'd be interested in John Ruddy at five. Um, I don't think he's a bad option at all. 
Um, Tyler Roberts at six million. Maybe he, he, if he can prove himself at championship level, then then he will become a good option at some point. Um, I would be hesitant to say that he will. That sorry, that's let's try that again. Um, I don't think I will start with him just because he's not a great player. <laughs> I'm not sure he's a great finisher. Um, maybe he'll prove us wrong in a a level where he can get more chances but he needs to prove himself to a lot of people i think first from a gaffer point of view so yeah. uh not for me to start with but you know he's he's on the watch list for sure and similarly like you said a striker would be would be good i mean hogan he's not bad and that six and a half maybe he could be the pick of the cheaper cheaper strikers if he's getting more service and he is um as a result um, you know, and as a result, Birmingham is scoring more goals. He will be, he will be in the middle of that. So, um, I guess my general view of Birmingham is wait and see. Um, so I'm not going to be starting with any personally, but you know, I'm going to be watching them closely because there could be some bargains in there if they do yeah. turn a corner this season and have a much better year. Given they've been kind of lower, yeah. lower mid table, bottom half, sometimes in a relegation scrap of, of recent. In recent years. Yeah, I think what they have done uh, decently this season is that they are looking to play at a high tempo level and the defenders did, didn't allow, their age didn't allow. So they have gone young uh, to uh, in their defense and probably they have uh, reshaped their attacking lineup fully mm. because um, the likes of Hannibal, likes of Chong, they were doing brilliantly. And if Birmingham City was winning, these two players predominantly featuring on the score sheet uh, or uh, on making them kick. So I think they have res- really looked into that and uh, tried to bring those players that are really decent players. And I think Dembele was a good uh, player in championship, I think, before he went to Bournemouth. I'll have my so, eye on him, definitely. Yeah, so that's a very decent signing. I think Sanders was doing well. Laird was also doing well in the championship. Felix was there last season, so he's an interesting signing as well. So, yeah, they have done decent. The only thing is that I think Miyoshi, how will Miyoshi perform? Is there another, another Japanese international that is coming into the championship this season? So, interesting to see how he performs as well. So, yeah, I think a lot of good things have happened. It's just uh, let the season start and see how they play. It's going to be interesting. All right. Next team, I believe we're up to team number five, which is Southampton. So uh, we have got Clean Sheet Wipeout, who has uh, kindly sent in um, his his thing. He's got, yeah, again, quite a long one. But again, this is a very interesting team to us as one of the relegated sides. So... Here we go. Following on from our relegation last season, Southampton have acted following the release of Ruben Sellers and have appointed Swansea's Russell Martin as the new man in charge on a three-year contract, bringing with him his coaching team. Martin is a young coach who has relatively little experience, having started management in 2019 with MK Dons before moving on to Swansea and now Saints. There appears to be a strong emphasis on passing the ball and pressing the opposition to dominate games, with the latter being something we used to thrive on but has been somewhat, somewhat lacking in recent years. It will certainly be interesting to see how successful this approach will be in what will be a very challenging championship season. 
The other major factor will be who we bring in during the window and more importantly, who we retain. The likes of Lavia and Ward-Prowse could well move on, providing the right offers come in and the importance of their replacements will be key. The integration of our younger generation of talent alongside players with experience and how seamless and transi- a transition it will be will be key to how successful our season will be. I certainly have hope for the season, but but until that window shuts, it's very tough to gauge at this stage mm. the impact that it has on the current squad. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, Southampton. There's a lot of unknowns with them at the moment. Um, I didn't go through the fixtures, sorry. Sheffield Wednesday away, Norwich at home, Plymouth away, QPR at home and Sunderland away. So a pretty decent start, I would say, um, and could yeah. be of interest. Um, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I think straight away, uh, two players come into mind, Lavia and Warcross. Will they stay? If they stay, then that team looks really dangerous in terms of in terms of promoting up to the Premier League uh, on one shot, uh, because they have some they have decent players in attack, they have decent players in defense and goalkeeper, but that. The, those two players are the predominantly middle of the park players, the engine room players. If those two goals, then it will be interesting to see who they bring them, who they bring to replace them. Because Ward Prowse has been the guy for Saints for the past, I think, three to four seasons, uh, or maybe longer since the golden generation of the Southampton Academy went to different parts of the Premier League. He has been continuously ticking along, scoring magnificent freaky goals and earning decent amount of points in the victories. So it will be interesting to see uh, if any takers, there should be takers for him, but maybe uh, as Matt said, until that window shuts, anything is possible. Uh, now in terms of the talent, I think, Jay Adams, Adam Armstrong, Nathan Taylor, Carlos Alcaraz. That's arguably the best attacking four uh, we have in the championship this season in terms of player to player, if we can call it. But uh, it will be really interesting to see uh, how which one of them doesn't leave and which one of them stays. So I will be keeping an eye on them and certainly I am owning of them already if they they are my insurance players as i said in the last episode they are the insurance players who you can easily rotate if they are going to sell on the transfer window so yeah it's a really interesting seeing the fixtures are looking good and hopefully and if russell martin can emphasize his philosophy in terms of tactically then i think this team will be a decent team and the team beat apart from Leicester mm. Yeah, I think Russell Martin could be quite a good fit for Southampton, actually, with the style that he plays and the sort of players that Southampton have got. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I think there's some really good options here, even with the premium prices, I think they will be worth paying. Yeah. So if we start with the defence... Um, they're, they're going to have a, a really good fullback option, I'm sure, this season. The only problem is we don't know who that's going to be at the moment because they have so many really yeah. good fullbacks. They've signed Ryan Manning, yeah. he's 7 million, but they've also got Walker Peters at 7, Livermento at 7, Bree at 6.5, and, and Robin Perro at 6. So that's like five very good fullbacks for championship level. Will Walker Peters stay? Will Perro stay? I don't know. Will Livermento stay? Um, 
but there's so much competition there. Um, but I am I am convinced that the likes of you know Ryan Manning and, and Bree are both you know proven gaffer assets for for other teams. Um, and then Livermento and Walker Peters are good, really good championship level players as well. So who who knows who is going to start and who's going to be the option? I think I think there will be one of those that's worth the the, the hefty price. In midfield, obviously Ward Prowse we expect to go, but Taylor at ten and a half. He we know what he can do with Bernie last year. He was absolutely brilliant. It was kind of his breakthrough season really, and he could be a great option. But then you've got Alcaraz and Sulemana at nine and a half each. And I really think Alcaraz is going to have a good season personally. So um, there's going to be a good defensive option. There's going to be a really good uh, premium midfield option. And then up front, you've got Adams, who may or may not go. We don't know. Uh, but if he stays at 11 million, he could definitely be worth the price tag. And Adam Armstrong is proven at championship level with Blackburn already. I mean, he, he didn't quite make the step up to the Premier League. I think it's so difficult to be a striker in the Premier League when you're of his stature. He's, you know, pretty small. Sergio Aguero did an amazing job. He was world-class. But Adam Armstrong, not quite so much. <laughs> Weird comparison to make, I know. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, it's a, it's a type of thing that uh, is behind Aguero, you have to see. But well, who is behind quite. Armstrong, you have to, yeah. So well, that is a good point. Level of, yeah, that's the level of depth that we're talking about. Yeah. But... If if Adams goes, then Armstrong probably is your main man, and um, yeah. you know at ten million, he was worth that much at Blackburn when he was when he was hitting Actually, form. Yeah. So you know uh, he could be very very good too. Anything to add, or should we move on to Sunderland? No, I think we've covered up. Perfect, Sunderland. So we have got uh, Spencer FPL Beery, who has yeah. sent in his. Um, his thoughts. The fixtures are Ipswich at home, Preston away, Rotherham at home, Coventry away, and Southampton at home. And we talked about this last week. Those first three are really good in particular. Um, okay. Here we go. Coming off the back of a brilliant first season back in the Championship, Sunderland fans are eager to see how they, they can improve on last season's sixth place finish. Boasting the youngest average age in the championship, Sunderland are fearless and are set up by manager Tony Mowbray with a very attacking mentality. Sirkin and Hume join the attack regularly and the emphasis on using Clark, Pritchard and Roberts will be key again this upcoming season. Sunderland struggled with injuries near the end of the season and will hope to have the likes of Stewart and Ballard fit for the upcoming season. The shining star for Sunderland, Ahmad Diallo, is unlikely to return to Wearside, but never say never. Ahmad going back to Manchester will bring more minutes for the likes of Roberts, uh, Lihaji and Barr, who can play across attacking across the attacking three supporting Stewart. Sunderland have also sold Bailey Wright. The signings made so far have been received well, with Triantis and Silt coming in to offer some defensive reinforcements. Um, Joe Bellingham is certainly one to watch for, and there is hope he can replicate his brother's career to date. And there's also uh, Luis Semedo, known as Hemir, who joins from Benfica B, a physical, explosive striker who can hopefully replicate the form that Sunderland saw with Ellis Sims and Stewart last season. He's also put in his top three picks for Gaffer, Serkin, Clark and Hemir until Stewart is back. Apparently Stewart will miss game week one, but sounds like he can't be too far away. He also says watch out for Barr, 5.5 million mid if Pritchard goes or is injured, he'll play in that number 10 role. And... Finally, the, the, a couple of the kind of notes he said after that, um, he assumes the formation will be 4-2-3-1, even though they have doubled with five at the back. Um, but he does think four at the back suits them a lot better. 
there is the potential to play two up front. They did um, in one game versus Bristol City a while ago, though, a long time ago, so probably not. And he thinks Clark will prove doubters wrong and they'll smash the league again. So, yeah, that was very insightful. I thought, I thought that was very useful. Sunderland, can they replicate their brilliant season last season? Have a check. I mean, they have the squad to do that and to do better than they did last season. I think uh, whatever we didn't expect them being promoted from League One to do so well. Now, the expectation is there with the signings they made. And the signings are young players who were really doing well in their respective leagues. I mean, we all know Joby Billingham. Uh, yeah, he hadn't yet replicated the things that his brother is doing, but he has now come to a team that should help him to elevate to that level. Uh, I mean, uh, then the signings that they made, I haven't seen much of Hamir, but if Barry is saying that he's an explosive striker, then I have to settle for his word and I have to see some clippings of him about how he is but he's a tall guy really tall guy <laughs> and if he is an explosive striker then that would do the world of good for Sunderland in terms of goals uh, uh, is the defensive signings are decent I think they uh, both the players were playing uh, playing for their teams uh, I think they are coming off championship winning they are coming off of the championship winning teams in their respective leagues. I think ESV uh, uh, and Central Coast Mariners, I think, respectively. So that's a decent one. And they have a quite a settled squad. And they have they only elevated them uh, by uh, from these signings to a really contender one for playoffs. I'm not saying that they're going to be going up straight up, but they are certainly my playoff pick. Uh, certainly, they are big for the top six. So, yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to, apart from Birmingham, how Sunderland this season. Mm. Yeah, similarly, they're another team that have had serious price hikes this season due to their overperformance last year. So, defensively, all their defenders are five and a half and therefore not really of interest to me. Clark at 9 million feels steep, but you know what? He was really good last season, and I think that's a fair price. Roberts at eight as well. It's a price hike, but similarly did very, very well. So, you know, I, I think I think there's genuine options there still um, at the right time with the right fixtures. Pritchard only being six and a half, that's very cheap. It's very, very cheap. Um, so, again, he could be a value pick if he is in amongst the, the goals and he's creating lots of chances. But the real price that yeah. stood out to me was actually Ross Stewart at eight and a half. I think that's actually quite cheap for him because when he wasn't injured, the rate at which he was scoring goals, I don't know what it was off the top of my head, but statistically, you know, probably up there with the best strikers in the league. Um, and a fit and firing Ross Stewart, I think is very good value at eight and a half and, and would be getting straight into my team. Um, Semedo or Hemir is only six. So, I mean, if, if Stuart is out for a long period of time, maybe six is a, a good price for him, but I know nothing about him, so I couldn't really speak into that anymore. Yeah, maybe, yeah, or maybe if, as Pierre is saying, that if they play two up top with Stuart and Hemir, mm. yeah, much load uh, Stuart can play for a longer time period. He will not get 
to win in India because mm-hmm. his whole focus was on Stuart last season. Now yeah. they have a, a strike partner to rely on. So, yeah, it's decent. And it was impressive how well they did consider he was injured for so much of the season too. They did so well to still create lots of chances and score lots of goals because Sims was injured for a while as well. They had neither of them for a good good long period of time. And obviously Sims came back to Everton, didn't he? So yeah. so they did really, really well last season to get the playoffs, even with those injury issues. So I expect another good season for them. I think they'll be playoff contenders. Whether they get playoffs, it's hard to tell because there's so many good teams this year. But yeah. the standout, standout asset to me is Stuart. And I actually do have Roberts in my game week one team because of their good fixtures. And I'm looking for a reliable midfielder. And I think he could be that um, as a short-term pick. Only as a short-term pick. Yeah. yeah. I think if, if you're looking for a reliable midfielder, I think Richard, because he's on the set pieces as well. And if Ross Stewart is not on the pitch, I think he will take the penalties as well. So if you're looking yeah. for a reliable Sunderland player, I don't know about Roberts because he was really... In and out of the team last season, maybe because of the injury he faced at the start of the season, recover, but not such issues is there so far this season. But yeah, both of them can be a decent pick, and for two million less, I don't know, might go with Richard. You know, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, certainly some interesting options there. Um, I think the midfield will do well again. But yeah, should we move on to team number seven? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is the final team that we have found input for, and then the last five we'll do ourselves. So this is Blackburn. They start with West Brom at home, Rotherham away, Hull at home, Watford away, Plymouth away. Not a bad run. Two toughish games in West Brom and Watford, but the rest are quite good. Let's have a look at what Man on Pod Dronach or Darren had to say. And I got it right this time. <laughs> okay. This is what he had to say. Okay. John Dahl Thomason came to us in June last season and it was a successful season, narrowly missing out on the playoffs on the last day. Better than many of us expected. Um, the big miss for us this year is our talisman striker Ben Brereton Diaz has left, although, along with fan favourite Dak. However, preseason has filled a huge hole left by the January transfer window, or lack of January transfer window, and we've recruited well and early so far. We like to play counter-attacking football in a 4-2-3-1 formation usually. Utilising wing play, I wouldn't expect us to change too much this season, given our squad and how we've recruited. We occasionally go to a 3-4-1-2 setup with wing backs in Hedges and Britain, but we only did that around six times last season. This season is a tough one to call. I think we've recruited smart and I could see a top half finish. However, feel we need a prolific striker. As good as Ennis is, he's not tested in the championship and Gallagher isn't the man to carry us either. Okidog, what do you think about Blackburn? They are, I agree, a difficult team to call this year as well. Yeah, I think, but I would be much more optimistic about Ennis in terms of the goals from capabilities he has. Probably because of the fact that I know how JDT will play Blackburn, and as Darren mentioned rightly, so he will be getting those chances, he will be getting those you know, scoring opportunities. It's that whether he will finish those chances, like a Berryton Diaz, it's uh, still early to tell, because I haven't seen much of tennis in terms of how he has played whether in FA Cup, League Cup, or whatever Cup 
uh, only seen highlights and highlights are not uh, may uh, may be justification of what uh, and is how good or how bad it is, is or uh, isn't he but Plymouth scored I think more than 80 plus goals last season for their promotion challenge uh, I think they were the promotion winners so they scored 80 plus goals and I think most of the goals yeah he got uh, 11 goals last season that's how many he scored in 36 yeah. games yeah so I think if he, got, he gets those sort of returns uh, then I think it will be a successful season for him. Also, they have signed players from Icelandic and Swedish leagues, so I don't know much about them. Uh, as a uh, so, it will be interesting to see how they try to play. It's really, it's a big gap to fill the likes of Berrettin Diaz and Bradley Dag, but mostly Berrettin Diaz because Bradley Dag was not fit enough for most of the past few seasons. But still, all that Bradwitton Diaz has left, like Coventry, Blackburn would be another interesting scene. They've recruited well, they've got their man to place their, their leading goal scorers for their clubs. So it will be interesting to see who performs better for her as uh, for uh, because Victor and Bradwitton both leaving in the same year. It is a big loss for us football fans or gap fans or championship level fans. So it will be interesting to see how Ellis Sim and Nyalinis performs. We have seen uh, Sims, so it is interesting. It, it is more, uh, how do I say, it, it is easier to say that how well he will do, but we haven't seen any yet. So let's see. Uh, I am a bit optimistic about that one again this season, like last season. As I said last year, that they will finish in the only but missing by a whisker. So hopefully that will be not the case this season. Mm. Yeah, I think from a gaffer point of view, it's really hard to... There's only really one asset that really stands out to me, and that's ranking Costello. Um, I think yeah. he's the pick of the bunch of the five and a half million midfielders. He got a hat-trick yeah. today in the season And I'd like to put out a disclaimer... He was in my my current gaffer draft before he scored the hat trick. So yeah, yeah, just saying, just saying. He's also yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first name on my gaffer draft is Ricky Castillo because I missed too much, too many points of him <laughs> last season. He was scoring points for fun, and I think he might be on the penalty duties as well. Really? I don't know. He took the penalty today. Are you sure? For to score his hat trick. Uh, that probably. I don't think he will have been on penalty duties. That'll just be for the hat trick. I think. But you never know because Britain is not there, Dak is not there. Who's, who's the senior player? Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, like he he started getting a number of attacking returns at the end of last season. All of a sudden, um, was getting really far forward. So I think yeah, he's the best uh, defender at that price point, and I may start with him. I may not. He's not like first name on the team sheet nailed in my team sort of thing. But um, particularly because I don't know if I'll need to downgrade to a cheaper defender because of budget but um i am extremely interested in him apart from that no one else really i mean the midfielders are cheap um and could provide good value but last season no one 
would would be show any sort of consistency, would they? I mean, they, they would, you know, Tyree Stolen would have a good few games, uh, Sammy Schmodix would have a good few games, but no one was um, putting in the sort of consistent performances that made them worthy of being a gaffer asset. Um, but, you know, there is potential good value there if if one of them does step up, so I will keep an eye on it. It's just not not a place to start with, really, even even at that value. Uh, Niall Ennis, 11 goals last season. I don't know much about him either, uh, but he's only 6 million if he's going to be the talisman and he's going to get good service. Um, you never know. Um, but I, I certainly an 11-goal record in 38-odd games in, a, in League One probably doesn't translate to championship level as much, considering you know there have been certain players like uh, Clark Harris who had much better goal records in League One and did okay in the championship, but didn't, you know, tear the place up. Um, so not of interest to me at the moment. That's all I have to say on Blackburn. I think they might finish bottom half the season, personally. Um, it'd be a bit of a struggle for them. Um, but they do have a good manager at the helm. It's just recruitment and losing Brereton Diaz and just the general strength of a lot of the other teams around them. Um, a lot of teams have improved and the relegated side's obviously so strong. So, yeah. Yeah, I think just to finish it up, I think... Uh, the only thing is that Blackburn lost Burrit and Diaz on a free. Let's mm. Coventry Dang. get some uh, sort of money out of picture so that, that they can invest. Whereas uh, in terms of Blackburn, that's a big loss. Good and point. Maybe, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's because to their, generally depends on their owners. So, mm. yeah, I think they have to work really hard to find a replacement yeah. <coughs> for Burrit and Diaz. Mm. As in terms of commentary, because commentary are able to spend that amount of money that they got from Victor. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. They've uh, potentially missed a trick there in terms of selling him so late on and losing him on a free. But yeah, okay, let's move on to Preston then, the other Lancashire club. You've paired these clubs up quite well, Avishek. It's been, it's good. Yeah. Um, their initial fixtures are Bristol City away, Sunderland at home, Sheffield Wednesday away, Swansea at home, and Stoke away. So pretty good, as we discussed last week. Abhishek, do you want to go first or shall I? I don't really mind. Do you have any thoughts on, on Preston? Yeah, I think they have listened to me and they signed a forward. Mm. <laughs> Albeit it's Will Keane from Wigan, oh. but a striker indeed. I think they signed him last uh, yesterday. Ah, I didn't yesterday know night, nice. I yeah, just heard, uh, just uh, think uh, in the morning I got a notification that they signed a new player. So, yeah, I mean, this uh, listen to me, uh, <laughs> apparently. I mean, they got the man that was scoring goals for Wigan last season. So, it's an interesting one. Basically, at whatever preseason friendlies I think they had today as well, I think. Brady looks like a decent pick. Uh, Albeit it's preseason, and I don't know how much he will play in the long run of the season. But Brady seems like a decent option as of now, and he was he always was. But it will be interesting to see their new Danish attacking midfielder that they signed a couple of days early from Odense as well. So yeah, I think um, he is a much more as their manager Ryan Lowe mentioned. I think. He's a much more attacking-minded player. He will suit them well. He will carry the ball forward. He has the numbers back it up. And with the clean uh, signing, he will score goals. Never mind. He's not prolific as a certain Barry Tindias or a Victor or someone like that. But he will 
find the back of the net. Uh, if they can get their act, act together uh, with a decent run, their fixtures in the first five, especially in the first five, they have decent amount of fixtures. And I think uh, last uh, episode, I did mention that I don't know about the fitness of Ramsey, but I think today's preseason, I saw Ramsey picture fit. Uh, he was not fit enough to start the match day squad, but he was seen in the pitch side. So I think he will be, uh, he is a decent, another option, especially in the right hand side. Uh, if Brady is the left wing back, uh, uh, then he will be the right wing back. So, or the other way around, I may have confused <laughs> the positional. But yeah, in terms of uh, the attacking, these are the options you can look forward. But from that, I think they have signed Holmes from Huddersfield, who is a decent uh, midfield option as well. And will settle uh, the team in the middle of the park. Uh, I think they have uh, the likes of Cunningham, Brown already in their midfield. Uh, so they're pretty much decent. Yeah, in terms of goalkeeping, they have good men. So I think that's the Preston is a pretty decent side. In terms of last season, they've done their business quite well so far. Uh, but uh, it's still early days to tell. Uh, I haven't watched too many friendly. I think I uh, only watched some highlights of today's friendly. And uh, Brady looked apart on this friendly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think uh, those are certain options you can look at. The gaffer point, especially because Preston's fixtures are really nice for the first five. Mm. Yeah, personally, I don't think I'm interested in anyone actually um, looking at all the prices. I mean, Wilkeen, if he comes in at you know maybe six, you know he could be you know a viable budget option in in terms of the strikers in and around that price bracket. But um, you know, it's definitely not one to start with. And aside from that, it's just, it seems like what Gaffer have, have done. This season is the the kind of good defenses that are outside of your premiums, like the ones that the defenses that did quite well last season from kind of mid table, are all five and a half, and and Preston yeah. defenders are all five and a half, which again feels a bit too expensive for me to to have any interest in them. If they if one if they were five, you know maybe maybe they'd be a decent option, but not not at five and a half for me. And in midfield, um, they're all cheap, but um, they just don't score enough goals for me. So I don't have anything else to say, really, other than that. I, I, I'm not interested, really, in any Preston players this season. They'll probably finish, you know, bot, bottom half, but not in any danger of relegation, sort of, you know, around the 15th mark, I would say. So, yeah, that's all I have to uh, say on them. I think, yeah, I think I'm much more optimistic than you, but mm. I think... Whatever the signings they have made, I think I've seen we have seen Wilkie play in the championship before, mm. uh, in yeah. the, just like last season, and he did score decent amount of goals. Yeah, I think he's he a good signing. Mm. Yeah, and uh, on a poor, on a weaker side that were not creating much, but especially if the the Danish lad starts firing and all those guys clicks, and I think Preston could surprise us. But yeah, only time will tell. But probably, I think, if you're looking to go for Preston, especially in the other fixtures, then I think Brady can be an option uh, in terms of defense. None from the field, as you rightly pointed out. And maybe Keane, if you're looking at a cheap forward option, just slotting for the first few weeks yeah. till, you're big, uh, till you get clarification of other heavy-hitters. Yeah, it can be an option. Yeah, I guess uh, Brady doesn't have the competition of Fernandez at the moment. Um, 
with him yeah. gone. So that that does that does play a factor for sure in terms of his minutes. But anyway, let's keep going. We've got four more teams to get through, um, and our next one is Huddersfield. Uh, they've got Plymouth away, Leicester at home, Middlesbrough away, Norwich at home, and West Brom away. So a really tough start. Um, but nonetheless, let's have a look at um, who they may have from a gaffer point of view. Habashek, is anybody going to stand yeah. out to you or is it no one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they haven't signed anyone. They have just re-signed their usual players that were there last season to new contracts. I think, you know, who's the, Neil Warnock is the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, they have signed, the, uh, they re-signed the forward that was was he? Was the other student forward? They signed. Not sure. They resigned them. Yes. Oh, like Jordan Rhodes or something? Did they resign? Yeah, looks like Rhodes or there. something like that. Yeah, but they signed. Uh, I think uh, Kamara or Kasuma, whoever that was, to a new contract. Chroma, Chroma, sorry. Oh, Chroma. Okay. Uh, yeah, Roma has resigned. They've got. A Forward, who is uh, adept, but you kind of get what you're gonna get from Neil Warner's side. Really, don't go as uh, much because they haven't done anything in terms of the business uh, this season. Do not know they have moved a lot. Uh, the only thing I know that they have their players that were there last season, uh, and they have promoted some new players uh, from their academy. In terms of the gaffer assets, Johnny Karoma, if he gets a run in, I do not know who the goalkeeper is going to start because the Selig is not there. Maybe Schofield. I don't think Schofield is also there. Mm-hmm. Might have missed. No, so no, he's not I there. He's not there. Yeah, so they. I don't know who is the new starting goalkeeper. In terms of defense, it's really hard to say. Yeah, but it really stands out as Rudoni, Roma, Karoma, and the forward that they resigned. That's the only option. But I'm staying away from Huddersfield until otherwise. Yeah, who was that four million keeper last year who that played for a bit? Was that Belokovic or was that someone else? Yeah, it's Belokovic. Leslie was injured, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. So Nichols is obviously first choice, but uh, it's worth checking when he's due back, ah. Nichols, because um, if not, we may have a four million option to stick on our bench. Um, but aside from that, I'm I'm not interested in anyone. I think I like you said, um, Rudoni maybe. He's only five and a half. Um, you know, if you hit a good run of fixtures. If you have to play budget buster in a double game week and Huddersfield have double game week, you know, things like that. Chroma, I mean, I thought he he looked a really good championship level player a couple of years ago, but with injury issues that he's had. And then, you know, more recently, he's been in and out of the team. He's not been nailing down a starting spot, if I, if I remember correctly, from the end of last season. So six million, you know, is a good price, but um, only if he really improves his level to, to what we were seeing. So yeah, Sorbo Thomas is only six. That's, that's not too bad. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna be starting with anyone and there's just they're just very unexciting. Their defence isn't good enough to warrant picking them either, particularly when um the main ones are five. Um so yeah, nothing. Nothing for me for Huddersfield. Rotherham are next up. 
Um, so let's have a look at them. Uh, Stoke away, Blackburn at home, Sunderland away, Leicester at home, Norwich home. Again, a tough start for them. So um, it'd be interesting to see if they can um, solidify their position in the championship. They, they stopped the yo-yoing last year and they managed to do it by surviving in the championship and doing really well, actually, in doing so. They did it with a game to spare, I believe, or two games to spare. can't quite remember, yeah. but it was before the final day of the season and um, they've been up and down recently but they've managed to stay up and all credit to them for, for doing that because they, they obviously run a very thin squad and a, a low budget. But what do you yeah. think about their potential gaffer assets? Are there any? Um, the biggest miss they're going to have is Okbeni, mm-hmm. who has signed for Luton. So they haven't placed him as of yet. They have made some signings. They signed a goalkeeper, that means Johansson's future might be at risk. We do not know, but they have signed a goalkeeper from Cardiff. Mm-hmm. So That's if true. Johansson goes, he might be another, uh, he might be the goalkeeper. They signed Kafu from Nottingham Forest, he's a central midfielder, holding midfield player, nothing much in terms of gaffer. Uh, they have signed, I think, another player, Mark defensive player. Mark Bowler that you're thinking of? Uh, no. Mark, Mark oh, oh Hall. Hall. Hall, yeah. I mean, uh, they've sold Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, wood is not there, so Hall might be the new Wood for the yeah. double game week, the triple game week, he might be another option. Mm-hmm. For the odd game week, uh, he might come up with the goods when you are forced to play with the bench player. <laughs> so, he can be another decent option for, and he did pretty well for Rotherham on loan from his last season. So he can be another option in terms of Gaffer, I think. Uh, as, and that's that, I think. Yeah. Because I think they have uh, a striker from Norwich, I think. Hugo. Who, yeah. He can be certain an option if the fixtures turn to your favor. But all depends on how they start. They're really uh, really hard start to the season. So it's interesting to see. So yeah, these four can be an option uh, if Johansson stay. Johansson is always a cheaper keeper option. Yeah. Yeah. In any given week. So yeah, if uh, it uh, much depends on how whether he stays or not. Uh, yeah. But from that all, you will can be decent options uh, across the season. You've basically exactly said what I was going to say. Um, Victor Johansson on a GPS Keepers is always good because he makes a lot of saves. Hugh Gill, I mean, I'd say he's only an option in like a double game week or if you need to play a budget buster or something like that. Um, but if that crops up, then he's an option, otherwise not. So that's all. Um, the only thing I'll add to that as well, obviously I mentioned Bowler before. Um, the Bowler at Rotherham is not the Mark Bowler who has left Middlesbrough. I got confused because I saw, I've seen Mark Bowler had left Middlesbrough and I saw his name in Rotherham, but it's a different Bowler. Mark Bowler yeah. has gone abroad to Turkey. So yeah, that's, yeah, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head with Rotherham there. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to say. Okay. Hull are next up. Um, these are our last two. We're nearly there. So, Hull have got Norwich away, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Blackburn away, Bristol City at home, Leicester away. So three toughies, well, two to three toughies, 
depends whether you call Blackburn a toughie. Um, and two kind of easier home games in Sheffield Wednesday and Bristol City. Hull did really well last season. We kind of ripped them to shreds a lot on the pod or like kind of, I guess, underestimated them. But they did really well to finish comfortably mid-table. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's some young hungry players again. I think what, uh, especially at the back end of the season, what we went to see is that there, there really are uh, quite a fighting hungry team. It's when they were going for, I mean, what they were scoring goals for fun and shipping goals for fun. <laughs> so, it will be interesting to see their signed attacking players, uh, quite decent young attacking players, uh, Lime Taylor, Sammy Simmons, um, they're decent players. Uh, add to that, they already have, uh, who was the striker? Estupinian, uh, Sadiamish, butchered his name, but uh, sad. <laughs> let's call him sad. Sure. <laughs> sadie, sad. No, uh, not sad. Sadie. Let's call him sadie. Uh, so they have a decent amount of young attacking players that may have that they may do well. They have Jane Michael Serrini in the engine room. So yeah, Ingram in goal. So that's a nice looking team and especially a cheap looking team. If you're gonna play a budget buster, if you're looking for your fifth a fourth defender, if you're looking for a fifth or fourth midfielder, a third up where forward option you can stick on the bench and come in, play in the odd games, uh, who have a chance of scoring goals, uh, keeping a clean sheet or assisting for forty goals, then that's a really decent option as well. And as you have played Ingram in a cheaper keeper, I think last season or uh, before that, uh, Ingram tends to make quite a few saves as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, so it will be interesting to see how they really step it up this season and at least become a mid-table side so that they, they stop the virtue they predominantly stop the yo-yoing but they have to step it up as a mid-table before they can challenge it for the top half they have to step up to the next game next level of the championship just become a mid-table side so it will be interesting to see what are decent options for cheap decent options for us uh, whether we play a boost, whether we play uh, normal, normally uh, on a week where our heavy hitters get a clash against each other and we can rest one of them and play another one, mm-hmm. especially in the defense uh, for the likes of Townsend, uh, Livermento, these can, if Saints play Leicester, they say uh, we can rest um, Livermento and play one of these defenders who has an easier run of fixtures. Because Leicester and Saints would be a tougher match sure. in terms of quality. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I uh, don't have loads to say on Hull really. Um, I think well, it's the third season back in the Championship. Um, we all, I think we all were very worried about the, the losses of Honeyman and Lewis Potter last summer. But they, they did really, really well um, in terms of their performance without them last season. In fact, I think they finished higher up in the table. I, I might be wrong, but I think they did. Um, in terms of options, yeah. Um, Christie is obviously the pick of the defenders because he's quite attacking, but he's five and a half. So yep. not for me. If he was five, maybe. Um, two fan, mm, six is okay. You know, again, maybe, but um, him and Estupinian are very much those sorts of players where if the form and fix, uh, well, 
No, two fans probably not as much of an option, but Stupin Yan, if the form and the fixtures are there or a double game is there, then he's very pickable um, as a short-term option, but he's never going to be a, a long-term pick, in my opinion. Uh, you never know, he might go, yeah, he might really break through and yeah, have an amazing he, season, but he, probably not. Yeah, these are the differentials that we're looking for, especially to talk of the lead ladders, because that Stupin Yan had trade really helped a lot of people last season. He didn't score like that for the rest of the season. But that first, what, seven games, eight games, he was on fire. Mm. He had a hot streak and then a very, very barren streak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That whoever got on the right side of that hot streak really flourished last season in terms of gambling. So you have to choose and pick and choose when to go for him and when not to go for him. These are these sort of players. Yeah, and then Liam Delap will be there to provide some competition, assuming they stick with one up, yeah. one up top. He's only six million, but he never really quite cut it at Stokes. He's not really managed to break through at Championship level yet. So it'd be interesting to yeah. see if he can make some positive so, contributions, yeah. but not nothing for for yeah. Gaffer at the moment. It looks like certainly at the start. So yeah, that's it for Hull. Uh, not too much to say. The final team is actually quite interesting though. Ipswich. Um, Sunderland away, Stoke at home, QPR away, Leeds at home, and Cardiff at home. Now, what's the name of their striker? Abhishek, can you remember? Who, who did quite well last yeah. year? Isn't it his... Hold on, hold on. It's Connor Chaplin, right? Yes. Not the... <laughs> Not Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they assigned George Hurst as well. Uh, he was there last season as well and he contributed. So, with that being said, I think in terms of Gaffer assets, the points will be shared. So, I think Chaplin, Hurst, Davies, uh, I don't know, Jack Taylor, I think, uh, I think uh, who is another one? Maybe Leduc. No, Leduc is or is it Ipswich? Let me check where Ladapo plays. Ladapo is a striker, yeah. Yeah, for Ipswich, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, he has. He has yeah, signed, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be shared among these. So, all decent options, all at decent prices as well. And certainly, Lee Davies and Chaplin is right now presently in my squad. And I'm hoping, uh, I think I will start with both of them as of now, come game week one. But the signing of Hurst, uh, the form of Ladapo in the preseason, and the signing of Jack Taylor, these three are on my watch list uh, because uh, I will be, uh, because I know McKenna from uh, when he was assistant coach of United. So I know how he plays. I know he really. Uh, playing against the big teams, he will be playing those counter-attacking footballs. But against the lower block sides, there will be a lot of position-based football. And he will be, uh, the, the wing-backs will be crucial to this, the uh, attacking, especially the number, uh, especially the wing players will be crucial to this. It's interesting to see who plays on the wings. Uh, that's why, as of now, I think uh, who plays in the number 10, because in the, when he was a manager at Manchester. Uh, he was assistant manager uh, on, on the Shawshank's time. Bruno did really well as a number ten. I think Chaplin plays that number ten role. So it's crucial to see how uh, well Chaplin 
built there this in the championship certainly a step up from league one he did really well for league one but the re- beauty of that Ipswich uh, really uh, the points of the goals and their scenes were really shared between all the players in the attacking front uh, so it will be interesting to see and uh, when Lee Davis comes is coming off the championship with 14 assists I think in the league one and beat in league one but 14 assists is not a matter of joke so it will be interesting just to see another wing back crucial wing back position and Chaplin like so yeah it's switch yeah. like Sunderland is I'm really hopeful that they will have a decent season not the Sunderland esque season but maybe mid table finish they certainly will be not be hovering around the relegation zone yeah I just want to reference a couple of stats on Leif Davis, actually, that um, I saw in a thread by um, FF Deakin um, earlier. Um, so all credit to him. He, he basically put out a thread kind of uh, describing what the current template seems to be for Gaffer. Um, and Leif <laughs> Davis was one of those players, and rightly so. so. As you said, 14 assists. But on top of that, he created more chances in 2022-23 than any player in England's top four divisions, 132. And he also had 0.79 shots per 90, which for a defender is pretty high. So, um, yeah, some good stats, Deacon, there. Thank you. Um, So I saw that and I put him straight in my team um, at 5 million. Um, Because, you know, I I knew people were were picking him, but I hadn't really delved into the stats to understand why that was. And when I look at that, I think for 5 million... You know, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. He's only five million, um, yeah. and and those are really really good numbers. So yeah, it's him and it's yeah. Chaplin. And That's it for me, really. I don't have Chaplin. Yeah. Um, we'll see if any other options emerge, but they they yeah, were the comes... best. Sorry, just one second. They were the they the most goals last season in in League One, and they also conceded the fewest. So on paper, even though they didn't win the league, you know, they they could well be yeah. the strongest team in the three. Yeah, I think yeah. This out of all the promoted sides, I think uh, this season, him uh, Ipswich is a much more stronger side than all the three of them in terms of personnel they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's early days in the transfer win- uh, transfer window, but still, uh, they look the stronger side. They look the more uh, talented, uh, well gelled side as of now mm-hmm. out of all the promoted sides. So. Yeah, I'm having really hopes of them surviving the season, certainly, and having them finish. Indeed, yeah. Right, so that's all of the 12 teams. We'll do the other 12 teams next time. Um, But let's do questions. All right, on to questions. We've got just the three this week, Um, and let's let's go through them. Abhishek, in David's absence, you're on. Go for it. Yeah. So, first question comes from Kyle at Stoke Gap on Twitter. He's Stoke fan, Stoke City fan. He's saying, as there's still so much uncertainty around who will start Cup Game One, what would your team be if you could only pick positions within the within teams rather than individual players? Hmm, interesting. For example, Leicester right back, Leeds winger, etc., etc. That's a very good question. I, I think I like that question a lot. And actually, the, the, the examples he's put there are there. So, like, a Southampton fullback, um, Cody Drama, <laughs> even though he's a he's a person. It's, so like, not left-back. But, so yeah, elite, basically, fullbacks from the big teams. Yeah. And a Southampton striker and a lead swinger. 
so that's your I mean priority top five you're gonna get by heaven or hell or heaven yeah these five are the tricks so yeah in terms of mine i think a sunderland goalie it's a must because i don't want rotating goalkeepers unless i'm playing cheaper keepers which i'm not so a sunderland goalie you want to pay five and a half and for, Pat- for patterson when you can yeah. get the end for four and a half that's the tricky one because I really want midfield. Uh, I really want other players from Middlesbrough, not the goalkeeper. So I don't want to tie up my three, one spot on goalkeeper. Even though Patterson is one million pricier, but I, I do not. I want at certain point. I want three midfield, uh, three outfield players from Middlesbrough because with all those attacking talent they have. I really don't want to waste that one spot, really, because you never know uh, these promoted sides might uh, drop off a bit and you really want to change those players. Akpom has been hitting off. Really, if you want to spend more money in terms of the, uh, the likes of Akpom, Hackney, McGree, then if Ding is already there, I can't spend any more money. Giles Fair point. is already yeah. there. Yeah, so I really don't want to fixate on that. But those who have gone, I mean, by far, he's the best goalkeeping option as of now in terms of all the fixture, all the teams that have been there uh, in terms of the budget, if you may say so. So to back to Kyle's question, Sunderland Kuli and Ipswich forward, a Leeds midfielder, a Blackburn defender and a Southampton midfielder. Those are my five options that, without a doubt, I have to spend. Then I can spend my rest of the money in the structure. Cool. All right. Do you have the next so, question? Uh, hopefully, stoke. I beg your pardon. Hopefully, Kyle, that answers his question. Uh, next is Billy Hadway, our good friend. Any standout game weeks for the first set of posts? No, so, Mr. Postmaster, over a, to you. I've had a brief look at it, but it's only from the first few game weeks. So I've not kind of looked all the way up to game week 15. And obviously, I think we'll cover boosts in a bit more detail kind of later on. Um, but there's a few initial thoughts. So, first of all, we mentioned home advantage last week, and I said only play it if you're playing it in game week one. And I stand by that. But I had a look at it, and I actually created a home advantage sort of game week one draft and i don't mind it so home advantage game week one is very doable Leeds have a good home fixture um who else wait let me get the the draft up because then that will help me uh yeah Leeds have a good home fixture middlesbrough start off at home stoke have a good home fixture sunderland have a good home fixture leicester have a good home fixture um blackburn as well for ranking costello so yeah um i think it's viable in the sense that it gets one out of the way and reduces the amount of prep you'll need for others um obviously the unknown factor in terms of it's game week one it's so unpredictable is the big caveat and um i'm by no means saying it's something you should do but i i think i'm going to consider it at least just because the boost the other boost is triple triple which is easy to prepare for but the other one's part of the bus and midfield dynamos if i don't play home advantage i'll probably be playing triple triple home advantage sorry triple triple 
Park the Bus or Midfield Dinos and Goldfest or the other one of those. So it's so a two of Goldfest, Park the Bus, and Midfield Dynamos. Goldfest you have to prep for as much, but the other two you need you might need structurally to move things about a bit. And if home advantage game week one means I don't need to do that shuffling around of things for part of the bus or midfield dynamos, then maybe it could be worth it. And then I can just purely focus on having the best team rather than having five good defenders or five good midfielders. Hope that makes sense. Um couple of other weeks though i earmarked um for like triple triple so game week three leicester have got cardiff at home middlesbrough have huddersfield at home so there's an akpom possibility there and there's another one southampton have plymouth away so triple triple is not awful for game week three similarly for game week five uh no game week four sorry no sorry yeah game week five game week five Leeds have went Sheffield Wednesday at home. Leicester have Hull at home. Middlesbrough have QPR at home. Uh, Southampton have Sunderland away, which is tougher. But I'm I'm looking at that and seeing again good potential for triple triple. Part of the bus and midfield dynamos I've not looked at yet, so um, I couldn't tell you on those at the moment. But I'm sure there'll be some good weeks in there. Have you got anything? So like, I think so like last season, where over uh, was a decent pickup because lots of away games this season it's the time turn of the home games so yeah I think as you rightly pointed out I think there are a lot of good home games so game week one home advantage certainly is not out of the question as far as the other weeks I haven't really checked it out in terms of which one is better what I can say Billy, is that the three pools that I'm going to use, the two out of that two is confirmed. That's triple uh, triple and possibly midfield dynamics or home advantage, one or the other. But triple triple, I'm surely playing. The third one is quite a tricky one. Oh, sorry, park the bus and triple triple. That's the two I'm playing. The other last boost is quite tricky because you never know, like last season when. We had a horrendous start, especially in our pod team. We utilized the overhaul quite nicely. So, albeit it is team dependent, but you never know when you require uh, an overhaul because anything can happen in this championship league. Particularly because the start. Yeah, especially because you never you don't know the starting elements of most of the teams. And there is a lot of rotation, especially at the start of the season, then they're in the middle or the end of the season. So that's, you always have to keep in mind that there is an, that's the overall is there for a reason. If something bad happens to your squad, then you can rectify it quite early. Otherwise, it will be too late. And so that's the only thing I can say as of now. I haven't earmarked the weeks, uh, but as Joe mentioned rightly, lots of home games, home advantage in game before is definitely a possibility. And a thing that, that is under consideration to a lot of them. Cool. All right. Last question. Yeah. Last question is from Sefer. After it, Sefer Ev. I think he is a new listener. Uh, uh, we haven't gotten question from the season or the season before. Best 6.5 to 8 million mids. So let's say three each. Yeah, I think I've probably got three. Uh, hang on. I would let me go through. 
Um, I'm interested in McGree at seven for Middlesbrough. Uh, I'm interested in Jewsby Hall for Leicester, seven and a half. Yep. And I'll say Roberts at eight. But there are a couple of others that also interest me. But if I was to pick three, I'll go for Jewsby Hall, uh, Roberts of Sunderland, and uh, McGree. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in Jewsbury Hall as well. That's one of my picks as well. I would three because uh, this, I think Leicester today they played a pre season friendly and Jewsbury Hall took on the free kicks and all those things. So he will be a direct link up and he's playing just behind Bardi pre season friendly as well. And with Madison gone, Barnes potentially leaving. Brisbane Hill can really uh, open up the space and make that spot his own. So he will be definitely an option to consider uh, in that price bracket. Uh, in terms of the other two options, uh, the one is, although as Amrabat mentioned, Ince will be a sport player, but I still think Ince will be a decent option. Uh, whether he starts or not is really the because they haven't had a decent yet, whether it's to start or not, I really don't know. But to me, Ince is definitely an option on his day. He can certainly produce the goods uh, that is required in this league, especially with the form that he has shown last season. I think he did a lot of good things, especially in Watford, because in reading, he was the only guy in Watford. He will have the help from a lot of other different players. So, Ains, my second option, my first option is Drewsbury Hall. And it's quite tricky for the last option because I really, it's a, I really did find a lot of hard time in deciding who my last option will be. But uh, I think there's a lot of decent option thing. But uh, just to mention, I think the three is an option. Uh, the new midfield players that they have signed, uh, I think Silvera and Rogers can be also be decent options in that price bracket. Uh, Sheffield, uh, uh, Windass, like so, Windass and Barry Bannon can be also decent options in their price bracket. So there's a lot of uh, decent uh, options, especially from the promoted sides as well. But I think. I will go with Windus slightly because he seemingly is an out of position player. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, he's, I mean, he's a midfielder, but he certainly plays uh, up front as well. Uh, it's really hard. It's a, it was a toss up between him and Bannon because these two are the heavy hitters of the way this Sheffield witness decide. So, but Windus being an over out of position player and being a fan of out of position players, a fanatic of out of position players, I am going with Bannon. Hey, I'm going with Windows. So those are the three options for me. I think Windows, uh, Inns, and Drews Bunyval. Very nice. Yeah, some good some good picks there. I think. Yeah, definitely good shout. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is it for in terms of questions. Uh, so what else do we need to talk about? Much, really. um, I don't have a slide for it, but do join our mini league. What was our password? Is it just guys on gaffer? Yeah, guys on gaffer. 
yes, yeah, so please do join our, our mini league for this season. Prize to be decided. But David did a wonderful Twitter header for the winner last year. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll think of something and announce that before the season starts. That's it, isn't it? Next time we will be doing the other 12 teams in a similar format to this. Then we'll have a, a final uh, episode where we give our predicted tables and our final drafts, but I'm sure we'll be caveat that we're allowed to change them before the season starts. (laughs) (laughs) Our final drafts as of like three days before the deadline. (laughs) Um, Uh, I mean, one thing is for sure, out of that 15, eight to nine players will be confirmed. Mm -hmm. The rest six will be changeable depending on who stays and who goes. But nine of them is surely will be the company that we can see. Yeah. So yeah, um, hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful. Um, and thanks again to everyone who contributed because I think it was really, really helpful to to read some of those some of those insights. So yeah, um, and thank you for joining us. We will see you again very soon. Uh, so it's goodbye from me. And namaste from me. <laughs>